you're listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Beulah Girl podcast, and I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. We are continuing on with the series, Joy in the Midst of Suffering. The first episode of the series you can check out, I talked about the idea that we can rejoice in times of suffering. The Bible advises that we do this, and it advises that we do this for a reason that you may not really imagine as you're listening. You may think, wow, that sounds really insensitive. That sounds like terrible advice. It sounds very counterintuitive. It is very counterintuitive. But when you actually look at this verse and what it's telling us to do, the reason it's telling us to rejoice is not because we're supposed to fake our feelings in a trial, but because doing so will help to help us focus our perspective and experience joy even in seasons of great sorrow when we are in great pain. We're acknowledging our pain. We're working through it, but we can still have hope and an uplifted mood even in times when our sorrow is great. So check out that episode. I want to continue this week talking about a slightly different idea related to suffering and joy in suffering. And that is that when we are going through suffering and we want to really, one of the things we talked about last week when we kicked off was just this idea of embracing suffering and getting the most out of our seasons of, of pain and sorrow. And to do this again is to really just embrace what God has allowed by opening our hands to it, by not resisting, by not running but opening our hands to it by remaining close to God. And really, as I'm going to be talking about this episode, accepting what we cannot understand is part of accepting pain and gaining and growing in the midst of our pain is accepting that there will be some things that we can't understand. When I was little, my mom used to tell me that God knew me better than I knew myself. And I would argue with her and I would tell her when I was a child, I would say, no one knows me better than I know myself. I couldn't imagine with my limited viewpoint as a child, I couldn't imagine that anyone other than me could know me as well as I knew me. But as I've grown up, I realized that my mom told me the truth and that scripture backs up this idea that God knows us better than we know ourselves. As an adult, I understand this through reading God's word and also different experiences. I can point to different experiences in my life. And maybe some of you listening, you can do the same thing where you're saying, you know, God knows me. I I was upset about this situation and then I walked in and this sermon, the pastor preached directly on what I was worried about and I felt so much better. Or I needed reassurance one day and a friend texted me and said the exact right words and pointed me to a Bible verse that gave me so much hope or I was angry about this and and God in my devotional gave me some verses about about forgiveness and about letting go of anger and and helped me. And so we all have those, if we're believers, we, most of us can point to situations where God really showed up for us and, and revealed how much he knows us. Personally, I know that he knows me because I can point to situations and because of what it says in God's word. But I also know that he knows what's best for me. I can point to situations in my own life where I made choices on my own that didn't turn out well. 
and I decided stubbornly that I was going to do my own thing, go my own way. And sometimes right away, the fruit of those choices didn't, wasn't evident. But then years later, I could say, wow, I know why God didn't want me to do that thing there because this is what happened. Um, And again, in his grace that we can bounce back from mistakes. But I know that God knows what's best for me. However, even though I know he knows me, he knows what's best for me. I still very much struggle to give up control of my life. Some choices that he leads me towards, I do not want to do some of the things that he tells me. And some of the decisions that he's leading me towards, I don't like what he's leading me to do. And even though I know from experience, I am not that skilled in making choices for myself. I still struggle to let God have full control. I want to pick and choose the assignments he gives me. I really don't like some of the things that he tells me to do. And I don't understand some of the things that he's allows or tells me to do. Recently, through a series of circumstances, God revealed this little tidbit to me in just some of the circumstances I've been walking through. He revealed that I think my way is better sometimes. And this was a little bit of a shock to me when I realized what God was telling me about myself because I feel like I've worked really hard on trusting him. I write blog posts about trust. I feel like I've made progress as far as stepping out and doing things that are really hard. My life verse is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's my life verse. I know that I know that following God is best and that he knows best. But I will say sometimes knowing that in your mind and having that truth because of past circumstances can be tested when you encounter new circumstances that are very scary and very hard. And recently I've been on the edge of some very scary, hard decisions and circumstances where that is just being tested, where I'm like, Lord, I know you're trustworthy because of what you've done in the past for me, because of what your word says, but I don't know if I can trust you in this, this feels too hard. This feels like you're not in this situation. This feels too scary. And maybe some of you can relate. I want to pull some lessons from Job on this idea of, of embracing suffering by choosing to just not understand some things. And I want to pull from Job 42, two through six. It says this, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked Who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. This passage is actually taken from the end of Job. If you know anything about Job, Job says this to God after Job essentially accuses God of being unjust and then God answers back with a series of questions and these questions reveal how powerful he is how he's in control of everything and how he as God has the freedom to do as he pleases and honestly if we look at what happens to Job in the book of Job we really as humans can't blame Job for having questions and even accusations of God because of what happens to him he is frustrated If you look at the beginning of Job, Job loses his home, all of his children, 
his wealth in one day and then shortly after he loses his health where he breaks out in boils and everything is taken away from him in a relatively short time. His wife basically emotionally abandons him, does not even try to be a comfort to him in this situation. His friends come and try to comfort him, but they make him feel worse because they accuse him of sin he didn't commit. And so he's completely abandoned by everyone in his life and loses everything. And the whole book of Job is him wrestling through questions and trying to figure out why God has allowed the suffering that he has. And what we know as readers that Job doesn't know is that God was that God allowed Job to be struck down the way he was because he gave permission to Satan so that he could test Job's faithfulness. Satan didn't believe that Job would really serve God if what he valued was taken away from him. And so God allowed Job to be tested. And Job serves as a comfort to those suffering everywhere by his story left within the Bible. But Job didn't know any of that going through what he was going through. And understandably, when he's struck with one mishap after another, he doesn't turn against God. But he honestly, as any of us would, has questions. And so immediately after it happens, he's asking God. He wants to know. Why is this happening to me? And God doesn't immediately respond to him. There's a lot of discussion that happens. And finally, towards the end of Job in chapter 38, God does speak to him. However, he doesn't provide answers to Job's questions about why he's suffering, but actually asks Job his own set of questions, which give Job a clear picture of his place in the universe and how powerful God is and how just God is and how small Job is as a comparison and how capable God is of running the universe. And so after hearing God's argument, Job changes his position and then says the words that he, he, that I just read in Job 42. And I want to just draw a few things we can learn from Job during his suffering when we're in our own times where we just don't understand why God has allowed what he has in his life, in our lives. The first idea I want to draw is number one, we will not understand all that God allows or asks us to do. Now, this may seem very redundant to some of you listening. You may say, well, I think you already mentioned that earlier, but I want to just highlight this and and let it sink in. That maybe like me, when you're in certain situations, you feel like you have a right to know or you're demanding of God, you know, why is this happening? And you want answers, understandably. Job says this to God, surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Essentially, what Job is doing here is he's acknowledging that there are some things that he will not understand that are too wonderful for him to know. But earlier, this is a change because earlier he demanded answers from God. He basically wanted to have a conference with God and was very demanding and even accusing of God. And he said, accuse God of being unfair. But here he says, 
there are some things that are too wonderful. One of the things that God says to Job earlier is he said, who is this that obscures my counsel? He basically says to Job, who is it that is demanding to know answers and who is pretending to know so much as pretending or asserting that they know more than me and that they're going to teach me, right? And Job, before he says, there, surely I spoke of things I didn't understand. He quotes back to God what God has said when when God said what he did about who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge he's basically humbled himself here and is telling God with his words that he's accepting that there are there are parts of his situation that he doesn't understand and that he accepts that God because he's so powerful and because he can do as he pleases that he accepts that he isn't going to get answers in a situation. And he accepts that he's not going to understand. And for many of us, we will wear ourselves out wanting to find out why. We may, like Job, demand God to tell us, but at times he will choose not to reveal to us the answers to our questions. It's not wrong to ask questions in our suffering. It's not wrong to, to wrestle through. In fact, we we should. I think that's part of grieving and just the natural process of trying to understand what's going on to with us. And sometimes God will give us answers. But if he doesn't, will we accept what he has allowed and do what he says without understanding? For, for many of us, myself included, we are okay with stepping out in faith as long as it makes sense to us. But if God doesn't explain the why, we may balk and hit a, a stopping point and, and just say, you know, God, I, I am not doing this until you tell me why. Or God, I'm not going to act this way in this situation unless you explain X, Y, and Z. And again, what Job is teaching us here and what Job learned in his situation is that while God chose not to explain his suffering to him, God did speak to him in his situation and let him know he was aware of what was going on. And that he was in full control. And I think that that's a, a hard idea to look at. But I've found that to be the case in my own life. That often God will not necessarily answer every question I have. But if I cling closely to him in the midst of my pain. And I keep calling out to him. He will, like he gave to Job, will give me what I need to continue on. He gives us hope to keep going. Even if it's not exactly what. We may say, well, I just can't keep going on unless I know this or unless this changes. But he will give us exactly what we need. And we may not even know that that's what we need. But God knows best. And so he'll give us exactly what we need. And we have his presence with us in this situation, even if we don't have all the answers. The second idea I want to bring from this passage of Job is affliction teaches us self-awareness. Job says to God, my ears had heard of you, but my eyes have seen you. So what essentially Job says here is he's still left in the dark in his situation. He doesn't have the answers he's looking for. But what he has discovered in his pain is a deeper awareness and closeness to God. He had heard of God. Maybe he knew things about God because he had learned them as a child. But he truly knew God in a way through direct experience that he hadn't known before. And one of the things, you know, you can... 
I was even reading an article recently on desiringgod.org and the writer of the article is just talking about how she had polio as a child. And so she's had, she's been sick. She's has a chronic, chronic symptoms that haven't gone away, that she's been very ill and it's taught her so much about God. And she has even done research where she's looked at different missionaries and things who also had conditions that brought them closer to God in their suffering. And the whole angle of her article is sort of interesting that she was saying sometimes it's better to be sick than to be well, even though all of us would say that we want to be healthy, that sometimes in our times of extreme weakness is when we draw closest to God. But affliction teaches us self-awareness. And I want to just um, point out that not only do, um, do we draw closer to God in our seasons of suffering, but we also gain a greater sense of who we are. While at the beginning of Job, Job considers himself to be this self-righteous guy, or righteous guy, I should say. I mean, he kind of thinks pretty highly of himself. He is a righteous, very upright person, but he does think of himself quite highly and maybe perhaps thinks himself maybe even a slightly better than the average person. However, when he walks through the suffering he does, he sees clearly the own, his own sin that's there. His presumptuous attitude in questioning God and accusing God of what he does, of demanding answers, that he sees that He's sinful just like everyone else, but maybe his sin just looks a little bit differently. And none of us, even in our best efforts of living upright lives, can stand stand in the presence of God on our own merit. We simply cannot do it without God's the cleansing blood of Jesus. The hardship we go through will bring to the surface what lies within us. And that certainly happened for Job. Earlier when I gave the story about how God revealed to me recently that I think my way is better, this revelation came after a series of hard assignments that appeared, again, not not very appealing to me. And one such assignment, I did do what God asked, but I very much delayed in my response to the point that I waited too long. And it was kind of a halfway obedience because I it meant waiting as long as I did meant having to do it in front of less people. And that was kind of the reason I waited so long. And God wanted me to do it immediately. And I just thought it was a bad idea. I did not want to do what he was asking me to do because I did not want to stand out in front of people. I just didn't. And so I did do what he asked, but I, I kind of waited until no one would even notice me. And he said to me after you know, basically, Carol, you think your way is better. Or actually, that was actually after something else. But I mean, there have been just a series of assignments that I've really struggled to 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 understand what he's wanted me to do. And sometimes I think that my way is more logical. Sometimes I want to just argue with him and tell him his way doesn't make any sense. However, when he revealed to me what I was basically thinking, I was able to repent and ask for for help in this area. And I didn't really even know that this was something that I was thinking until he revealed it to me. And 
that's exactly what happens when we walk closely with God in our affliction. Not only will we see him clearly, we will see more clearly what lies within our own hearts. And it's sometimes hard to see what is there. It's scary and hard, but he doesn't reveal to us what's in there to condemn us. He reveals to us so that he can purify us so that he can remove those things that are obstacles. And so we can be more like him, but it's not an easy process. And it's certainly a process that doesn't end. You know, one time God works on this one thing and then we're free for the rest of our walk. I mean, we're ever evolving and changing throughout an entire faith walk. So once he kind of works on one area, then he reveals another area. And as I was talking about with the trust issue, I mean, I kind of thought I've made some, some strides in that area, but it seems like God's going back in and going even deeper and some trust. There's some trust issues that are still there that he's going, he's, he knows are there and he's going, he's going for them. So maybe you listen, you can say, yeah, I've got some areas too, where it's just uncomfortable right now. I'm having a hard time trusting God. But he reveals those things to ourselves so that we can change. And that leads me to my last point. Affliction reveals what is in us so we can repent. Now, when I say that, it sounds like, maybe for some of you listening, it sounds like God's mad at us and he just wants to us to get on our knees and, and you know, weep about how bad we are. And that's really not what I'm intending with what I just said. What I'm meaning by repent is that he reveals to us what, what is inside of us so that we can change our mind about whatever it is he's pointing out to us and change our thinking and our behavior. Repent might conjure up these images of walking around feeling guilty and, and shameful, but really that may be the first step in leading us to confess our sin to God. But really repentance is about changing our mind and changing our actions And that's what God is after. He's not wanting us to just walk around. Oh, woe is me. I'm the worst person in the world. I mean, that's just, he's not wanting us to get to an unhealthy view of ourselves. We are sinful, but that's why Jesus died on the cross is so that he could save us and keep helping us become ever more like his son once we've been saved. So repentance is about acknowledging what we've done wrong changing our thinking, confessing what it is and asking God to help us. Job says in the passage, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. He recognizes that he is a sinner and makes a change by confessing to God and deciding to go a different way. As far as not putting so much confidence in his abilities and his own righteousness, but realizing and surrendering to God's plan for his life. And before he was really of the mindset of, you know, I can, I can argue this out with God and God will see that, you know, my point of view on this, but then he realizes God is God and he can do whatever he chooses. He recognizes his error and he says in, in accusing God and believing he could stand on his own merit. And he says what he does about a abhorring himself because he wants God to know not that he abhors himself necessarily, but the evil in himself that all of us have as humans without the cleansing blood of Jesus continually working on us. Right. And he recognizes his wrong in his attitude towards God. So when he says, I despise myself or abhor myself, as some translations say, repent in dust and ashes, he's saying, I despise that within me that 
isn't, that is opposed to you, that is working against you, that is sinful. And I want, I want to just surrender to you so that can be removed and repent in dust and ashes during this time. If someone was grieving that they would show this by sitting in dust and ashes, sitting in in ash and even putting ashes on themselves, it would have been a public display of what was happening inside, what they were feeling kind of like I was reading this in a commentary. This would have been similar to what we do today in that when we wear black, when we're mourning for a funeral, we're just expressing how we feel sorrowful. It's just an outward display of us feeling sorrowful. And so this would have been a similar thing. So when he's saying repent in dust and, and ashes, he recognizes again that he was showing externally how he was changed on the inside and what he felt about his condition, um, about his heart and, and what he acknowledged. And the thing is, when we walk with God, that we were just talking about this. My, my uh, pastor was just talking about this in a sermon last week. He was talking about first John and how walking with, with, with God, because he's light is going to expose things in us. And we're, when we walk with God, he's going to expose things about ourselves. That's what happens. And so when we're walking with God, there's continually going to be things in us that he exposes that we don't even know. We don't even know it's there. And our right response to it is to say, Lord, I'm just accepting what you're telling me here. I'm humbly accepting your instruction. I'm not going to resist you, even though I didn't even know it was there, or I don't even like what you're pointing out to me. And I'm accepting that through this tough situation I'm going through, it's helping me to understand things about myself that I need to change. And you're teaching me in this hard situation. And I'm just opening myself up to it, even though it hurts a lot. I'm opening up myself to it, knowing that you know what's best. I want to just read to you a quick quote. This is from Joseph Benson. The more we see of the glory and majesty of God, the more we shall see of the vileness and odiousness of sin. And the more we shall abase and abhor ourselves for it and repent in dust and ashes. So it's just talking again about the more that we see God the clearer we're going to see ourselves. We're not going to be deceived about what's truly in us, but God is going to reveal what's in us so that we can change. I want to just close by asking a question. Is there a situation in your life that has you so tied up in knots that you're so overwhelmed? You're just so over whatever is happening. Maybe you've been asking God for some explanation for a long time. Maybe is there a situation where you have essentially told God you won't proceed until he explains to you what is going on or an action he's nudging you towards you don't want to pursue without him disclosing the reason why? I'm asking this, but I am a fellow, I think, sufferer. And I understand because I've got a few situations in my life right now where I feel the same way that I wish God would explain. I wish... God would offer me more than I have right now as far as understanding. But I'm not sure that he will. Job teaches us that God doesn't have to explain to us because he is God. Sometimes he chooses to, but understanding isn't and shouldn't be the prerequisite for obedience. 
And further beyond that, sometimes when we can't see how our bad situation is going to be used for good or is good, is is going to be used for the good that God talks about in the Bible, about turning evil for good. We can not only kind of throw up a red flag and, and kind of balk when we encounter situations where we don't understand and we want to understand and we, we just are like, I'm not going any further until I understand this. But also, we can kind of put our foot down when we can't see how the bad that God has allowed will lead to good. And it will eventually lead to good if we keep trusting, keep clinging, keep pursuing. But if it hasn't yet, then we just haven't gotten to the good part yet. Like Job, we can express our deep trust in God when it looks bad and feels bad, not because he has explained everything to us, but because he is trustworthy. And God himself is the very standard of truth and justice. He cannot lie. He cannot error. He never makes a mistake, even if it feels like to our limited view or minds that he does. While things are going sideways and we're caught in a circumstance we wouldn't choose for ourselves, we can accept what God has ordained and surrender to him, believing that like Job, when we cling to God in the midst of our affliction, we will come out of it stronger and more blessed and more like Jesus Christ. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, sometimes you allow things that we do not understand. And Lord, there are parts of you that we do not understand and we, we just can't understand because you're God and your ways are not our ways. And some of us are walking through situations that we would not choose for ourselves. That we, in our own understanding, we're thinking to ourselves, why would God even allow this? Why have I been chosen for this? And Lord, I pray for every person listening that is brokenhearted, that doesn't really want to even serve you anymore because they're mad, that they are struggling to trust. And Lord, if they do not have faith, give them faith that they need. If they do not have trust right now, help them to trust. If they do not have joy, help them to have joy. If they are having difficulty surrendering, help them to just simply pray for help surrendering. Whatever it is that we need, Lord, maybe you won't give us all the answers, but you will give us your presence. You will walk through us with us and you have an end goal in sight. So even if we don't know what that is and we can't see it now, help us to trust you and to do what you say, even when we do not understand. In Jesus' name, amen.